The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome back to another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake. Happy to have you with us once again. This is a podcast about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. New episodes drop every Wednesday during the high school football season. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Lots to talk about this week as we recap all three title games in West Virginia with particular emphasis on Class A because Class A's title game pitted two Mid-Ohio Valley teams out of the Little Canaw Conference, the Ritchie County Rebels, and the Williamstown Yellow Jackets. Taryn Malone joins as well to give his thoughts on the Super 6. I got to run into Taryn this weekend, and we spent some time together. I had a good time on the sidelines of the Class A State Championship game. We'll set you up for our finale next week as well. Lots to talk about with the Ritchie County Rebels winning their first ever state football championship, a Class A title with a 42-21 win over Williamstown. Ritchie finished their season at 13-1, the only blemish coming with a midseason loss to Doddridge County in double overtime. So not too bad when your only loss is to a semi-finalist and in double overtime by one point. That's as close to perfect as it gets for Ritchie County. And for Williamstown, they fall to 11-3 and with their three losses coming to Ritchie County in the state title game to Waterford, an Ohio playoff team, and Fort Fry, also an Ohio playoff team. Ritchie County set the pace for this game. They set the tone on the opening drive by scoring there. They limited possessions until they were able to get their pace kicked in. A couple big things early on in this game. Ritchie County grabbed the lead on a five-yard touchdown run from Gus Morrison late in the first quarter. It was Max Melissa answering for Williamstown to cap a long drive with a seven-yard run at the end of the first. Ritchie went for two. Williamstown opted the extra point kick, and uh, Ritchie led 8-7. to seven. Williamstown grabbed the lead after cashing in a fumble on a short field. Ricky Allen's two-yard run midway through the second quarter made it 14-8 to eight after the extra point kick from Isaac Joy. That would be Williamstown's last lead. Five minutes later in game time. Ethan Hunt's seven-yard touchdown pass to Marlon Moore ended Williamstown's timeout in front. The two-point conversion pass was no good, but that tied the game up at 14-all. The Rebels would later grab the lead for good later in the quarter on Ethan Hunt's three-yard touchdown pass to Gus Morrison right before the half. So going into the locker room of the half, Ritchie County had a 22-14 advantage over the Yellow Jackets. The Yellow Jackets were due to get the ball back to start the second half, but Ritchie County went for an onside kick, got the onside kick, and they made a count adding to the lead on a 35-yard touchdown run from Gus Morrison to go up by two scores for the first time. Melissa added a two-yard touchdown run late in the third quarter. So toward the end of the third quarter, it was a one-score game. It was 28-21, and it really seemed like the game was anybody's for the taking. But Richie County held Williamstown scoreless in the fourth quarter. Morrison's seven-yard touchdown run made it a two-score game again. The Rebels got the ball back after a stop and cashed it in on Morrison's 10-yard run as fifth score of the day to make it 42-21. Williamstown's last-ditch effort was snuffed out on an Ethan Hot interception in the final minutes, and Ritchie County just needed to run the clock out to get the first football state championship in school history. After the game, we caught up with a few key figures. First, Ritchie County head coach Rick Hot. Well, as I said earlier, I'm really proud of our kids, the way they've done the second half all year. You know, it was a big gamble on my part. You know, you don't get the onside kick, and who knows the way the momentum shifts, but I was thinking, worse, we're only losing 15 yards, so that worked out for us. And then the offense, we found some things that would work. Finally, uh, I, don't, I think that we score in every possession in the second half. 
I think so. With the fumble, that was it. Yeah. So, the entire game. So we turned the ball over once, scored every other. I, that, that's just a blur to me. But the fact the offense has been so dominant all year, and, you know, we've, we've worked so hard on throwing the ball. We're really proud of our kids, the running game, and, and we went right back to a wing T-style offense we've done the first three years. On Gus Morrison. Well, I tell you, he picked the best game, perhaps what I would argue is his best game of the year. And so good players have to step up in big situations, and he most certainly did that tonight. On establishing the run. You put everything in, and then you try to, then when you get in the game, you just, because you never know how, what they're going to adjustments make defensively. So you have everything in your toolkit to go with, and then as the game progresses, you just figure out what works. But I guess for a, a run guy first, especially our first three years, it's kind of gratifying that the run game is what won it for us tonight. On what the win means to Ritchie County fans. Here's my story. My dad graduated in 1963 and Harrisville High School won a state baseball tournament. That is still talked about today, and I don't think those kids realize the rest of their lives they're going to talk about this night. And it's such a dominating win, and, I, and they have no idea yet what a state championship does for a community. And you saw us here tonight. This is a great crowd, and I'm really happy for the community, and I'm really happy that we, we'd be able to bring this home. And you showed that you felt like you belonged here, just by the way you, your kids played. All, well, yeah, but, but I, I didn't think we'd have trouble coming up here just because these kids have been through a lot, and I thought they handled themselves very well this week. They were loose and played exceptionally well. What are you going to be saying to these kids in the locker room when you guys head back in? I'm going to go hug them all. I don't know if we'll say a whole lot, but I'm going to hug them all. You've been a second-half team all year. Did you see that coming based on what you saw in the half? You never know if you see it coming, but I'm going to be honest with you, I probably should have because, to our kids' credit, they made it happen second half every every game. As a coach, what does this moment right now mean to you? Well, it, it's one that over the next week you'll reflect. It just makes you feel so good. You, you do so much hard work, and, and i got great people around me. Really appreciate the, the work our staff comes in. My administration has been really good this this season, and especially the last couple of weeks. And so I, I guess I'm just very appreciative for the position that I'm in that able to experience this. On the play of his defense. I tell you, it took us a while, and we knew, listen, we knew coming in that we was going to have some trouble. I thought our guys kept playing, we kept making some adjustments, and we finally started getting stops at the end. Well, that made me a lot, feel a lot better. I could relax a little bit. That's Richie County head coach Rick Hott. That interview came as part of a large press scrum. You heard my voice with a question or two. Other questions in that interview came from Kerry Patrick of the Parkersburg. Other voices you heard with questions included Kerry Patrick of the Parkersburg News and Sentinel, Casey Kay and Julia Westerman of WDTV Channel 5 out of Clarksburg, and Abby Backenstow out of WBOY Channel 12 out of Clarksburg. Gus Morrison won MVP honors for Richie County with a five-touchdown game to tie the Class A title game record. Four of those were on the ground on a 178 yards, 17 carries. He had five catches for 44 yards and another score. Here are the post-game thoughts of Gus Morrison. At first, the, our defense was a little bit slow, but once we figured out we needed to stop their running game and we started stopping it, they were they laid down and they were done. On what it feels like to have accomplished a team goal. It feels great, and us not getting to even play last year, but we made it and not playing, it just makes it ten times better, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it feels great. On his vision in the running game. I decided to follow my guards pulling, and they took me to open ground. Talk about your uh, offensive line. You're so instrumental in your success and sets and, and everyone else's. Yeah, if it wasn't for them and their hard work this year, none of this would have happened. We wouldn't even have made it here. So I definitely give them a lot of credit this year.
on the play of his quarterback, Ethan Hot. Yeah, he's really smart. At, uh, that touchdown that I ran up the sideline they reviewed because I stepped out or whatever they're trying to say. Yeah. That wasn't even a play call. He just saw it open and made sure I took the ball. Wow. It was supposed to be a fake to me, and he gave it to me. So he's definitely a really smart quarterback. You think it's a good day to have a good day? Yeah. Yeah. You got to wake up feelings this morning? Or when did, when did you have a sense in this game that, that things were going well for you and for the team? Uh, whenever we came out of halftime and recovered that onside, I definitely knew we could. If we just kept playing how we were, we would we'd be state champs here a little bit. Did you know that was going to happen? The onside kick? Yeah. Yeah. I knew it was supposed to happen. We all moved inside for it. Knowing that you were going to go onside, like, did that kind of help fire you guys up the second team, second half? Yeah, but at the same time, there was that bit of what if we don't get it, So, and that would just give them more yards closer to the end zone, so that was kind of nerve-wracking, but we we got down and also got on it, so that's good. What's it feel like? Oh, this feels great. You caught me after the tears so earlier. Uh, after last year, and I see getting ripped away, it, it just feels great this year to get back and bring it home. That's Richie County's Gus Morrison. Additional questions asked by Josh Hughes of the Parkersburg News and Sentinel. The Williamstown MVP, because they award one to both teams, went to Max Melissa, who had a pretty solid game for the Yellow Jackets. 23 carries, 120 yards, and two rushing scores. He threw six times, completed two of them for 33 yards, but the Yellow Jackets never seemed to get a consistent passing game going, and they didn't stop Richie County's running game. The Rebels outgained Williamstown 350 to 249, running 44 times for 268 yards. That's an average of 6.1 yards a carry against the vaunted Williamstown defense. A defense that, by the way, surrendered 42 points. The only other team to score in the 40s against Williamstown was Fort Fry. So Ritchie County's 42, the most anybody scored this year on the Williamstown Yellow Jackets. Again, monster game for Morrison. Seth Hardy carried 12 times for 52 yards for Ritchie County. Ethan Hott was 8 of 12, passing for 90 yards and two scores, one to Marlon Moore and the other to Gus Morrison. Moore's touchdown, by the way, on his only catch of the game and the only touchdown for Richie County not scored by Gus Morrison. We'll get deeper into the numbers in a little bit and have five big takeaways from this game. Some other themes, the Rebels won the turnover battle 2-1 to one with a hot interception and also a fumble recovery from Morgan Knight, who provided the scare of the night when he recovered a fumble and ran about 20 yards the wrong way before he was corrected. Someone ran him down and turned him around, saving what could have been an embarrassing outcome for Morgan Knight. But again, the Rebels won the turnover battle 2-1 to one because of the night recovery and the hot interception. Williamstown held to 7 points the rest of the way and none in the 4th quarter. Huge takeaway there. Ritchie County scored on all but one of its 7 possessions. The only one they didn't score on was the one where they had a fumble in the first half. That fumble recovered by Colton Melrose. I also had a chance to catch up with Ritchie County quarterback Ethan Hot. Here are his post-game thoughts. As a player, what was the moment during the game that you kind of knew that you guys clinched the title and how did that feel for you? Well, I'd say it was pretty late in the game. I didn't want to jump the gun real quick. So uh, I'd say when I got that pick right there at the end of the game, that was probably the, the clutch for me. What are you most proud of for yourself and for your team today? Uh, overall, for the team, just winning the thing. Uh, we, we were the underdogs coming to this game. We have been the underdogs the past few weeks. So uh, just coming out on top on a big big scoreboard like this, and just uh, it's just real special. You're not done at Ritchie County yet, so what kind of excitement does this build for your future? Uh, we, do, we do have a lot of graduating seniors, but uh, our young guys have got a lot of experience this year playing scout team against these guys. So I'm really excited for next year, seeing how guys step up and uh, – where the offense and defense goes. How did you feel the pressure today, being quarterback leading the team? Did you feel that at all, or did you feel pretty confident throughout the entire matchup? Uh, I wouldn't say I didn't feel much pressure. The only pressure I felt was the, when they were sending the house uh, every play. So, 
uh, I didn't really feel much of the all the excitement and everything. I didn't let that get to me because I knew that's when you that's when you start going downhill. So only three teams get to experience this moment each and every year. So if you had to describe the moment, the time that you're feeling right now, how would you describe that to someone outside of Wheeling Island? I feel like it'd be really hard to describe this moment right now. You just got it's just something you can't explain. So uh, seeing all these guys like they're still cheering, what'll be like, like 20 minutes after the game. So uh, it's just real special. What's church attendance look like tomorrow, Richie County? <laughs> oh, uh, partying all night, I guess. What's it like to do this with your dad? Uh, it is pretty special having him uh, as a play caller and everything, just working with him and uh, finding out what worked with this offense. Put 42 points up on a Williamstown team who held Dodgers to zero points last week. So it's pretty, pretty uh, special to do. Let's that. not overlook that. 42 points against this Williamstown team. How did that happen? Uh, they they did a, a lot of good job, stuff to us the first half. Uh, we, we didn't have them figured out, so then we went to the locker room and figured out their defense and found out what worked, which was get Gus the ball. So uh, yeah. Did you have a feeling that Gus was on tonight? Uh, he was making big plays after big play so uh i don't know i don't know what was working with him but he he was just reading everything right hitting holes hard and just no one could tackle him so it was pretty pretty good how you feel you feel like a junior uh, do you want me to say I feel like a football player. There you go. That's Richie County's Ethan Hot. Additional questions from WDTV's KCK. And the joke we make at the end is a reference to an interview I did with Ethan Hot last year after Richie County's win against Greenbrier West in the state quarterfinals. Do you feel like a sophomore at this point? No, I, I don't know. I just like a football player right now. Again, that's Richie County's Ethan Hot from last year after their quarterfinal win against Greenbrier West. And we came back to the same joke after the state championship game this year. His father, head coach Rick Ott, has had a pretty good year in 2021. The boys' basketball team won a regional championship, and they ended up going to the state tournament in Charleston. The boys' track team finished a state runner-up, and then the football team won a state championship. And that's all in 2021. And then go back to the fall of 2020, where a hot coach team was going to play for a state title had qualified to do so. So not a bad 14 to 15 months for Rick Ott at Ritchie County High School. What's next for Williamstown, though? That is a big thing, and really we've not mentioned a lot about the yellow jackets. After the game, Williamstown head coach Chris Beck talked to our friend and Parkersburg News and Sentinel Sports reporter Kerry Patrick. He said the Yellow Jackets knew they would have to control the line of scrimmage and not make mistakes and they did make too many mistakes. But make no mistake about this, this will be a motivator for this team. Williamstown does not like going to this stage and falling short on this stage and they're returning a boatload of talent. As far as a skill player outlook goes, they lose Trevor Oates who hadn't played since the St. Mary's game so they were playing two-thirds of the season without him anyway. Ricky Allen is only a junior. Colt Hessen, a sophomore. Max Melissa, a sophomore. Those guys will be back. Kent Weigel, a big tight end and run stopper in the middle of that defense, is a junior. They'll need some younger players to step up on the offensive and defensive lines. I know Harbor Hot was somebody that stepped up at linebacker in the middle of the season. He's only a junior. Isaac Joy, the team's kicker and a pretty reliable one, leaves. They'll be losing some linemen on both sides of the ball. A few guys on defense otherwise. But this team is loaded next year and they're motivated. They're going to be a hard team to keep off the island. In other games, because there were two other state championship games to be played this weekend, Friday night saw Fairmont Senior defeat Independence in Class AA 21-12. Jermaine Lewis had 13 carries, 114 yards, and two scores for Fairmont Senior. They won their third Class AA championship in four years against previously unbeaten Independence at Wheeling Island Stadium and became the first team since the 1995 Musselman-Appleman to win a state championship out of a 16 seed. Independence running back Atticus Good 
Gibson had 26 carries for 129 yards. And then Saturday afternoon in the Class AAA state championship game, Martinsburg rolled over Huntington 62-21 to in a game that was close for about two quarters. Hudson Clement scored a Super 6 all-class record, eight touchdowns on Saturday afternoon, four on the ground and four receiving to lead the Bulldogs to the 62-21 win over previously unbeaten Huntington. It was the ninth time in 12 years Martinsburg has won a state championship of the first for head coach Britt Sherman. But again, Hudson Clement, eight catches, 175 yards, seven rushes for 41 yards, and he had one of his team's five interceptions on defense. This team was playing without his brother Murphy, who suffered a Liz Frank injury in their quarterfinal win against Spring Valley. So Martinsburg, Fairmont Senior, and Ritchie County, your state champions in West Virginia high school football. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's go between the hash marks and take a look at the Class A state championship game, a deeper look. These are my five biggest takeaways of the game. Maybe not the five biggest things that happened, but the five things, in my opinion, that allowed Ritchie County to defeat Williamstown. The first is the onside kick to start the second half. A gutsy call from Rick Hott, who was in a gambling mode in the postseason. I think he decided early in this postseason that he was going to roll the dice and not take chances, and I think the team fed off that energy. I think this team could sense they were going to be aggressive. They were there, and they were not going to be happy with just being there, despite the fact that that was a little bit of what their language sounded like to me last week. I could tell that was just a bit of a put-on. This team wanted it all. They wanted to win the championship. You're not going to go there and just be satisfied to be there. They wanted to win the championship. They made some bold decisions and rolled the dice a few times, but it all paid off for Ritchie County. That onside kick to start the second half, while not the thing that ended Williamstown's chances, certainly set the tone in this game by allowing Ritchie County to control the pace for yet another half of football. And that leads us into number two, time of possession. Ritchie County won time of possession in this game by seven minutes. And remember, at high school football, there are 12-minute quarters. Williamstown only had the ball more than half the quarter in one quarter, and that was the third quarter. They had the ball for more than seven minutes. In two of the four quarters, they had the ball less than five minutes. A big advantage for Ritchie County in time of possession, and that allowed them to dictate the pace of the game. Williamstown was limited all night long, and possessions were at a premium. And how about the gambles throughout on both sides? The Rebels 6 of 9 on third down, but 3 of 3 on fourth down. Williamstown rolled the dice too. They were 4 of 7 at converting on third down and 2 of 3 on fourth down. So both of these teams were taking chances to win. Both of these teams were effective in the red zone. Ritchie County was 5 for 5 in the red zone with all of those scores being touchdowns. The Yellow Jackets were 3 of 3 in the red zone. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is that Williamstown only got to the red zone 3 times. This may have been a team that had some quick strike capabilities during the season, but after the injury to Trevor Oates, Max Melissa and Ricky Allen really solidified as that one-two punch in the backfield. Williamstown didn't throw the ball a lot because they didn't have to throw the ball a lot. Cole Hessen threw the ball and had a touchdown pass to Max Melissa in their semifinal win against Doddridge County, and Hessen was 0-for-1 throwing the ball against Ritchie County in the state final. But this is not a Williamstown team that showed down the stretch they had the ability to throw the ball in a strike on anything other than a long, drawn-out drive. And when Ritchie County got Williamstown up by a couple scores, that made things tough for Williamstown, and a team was already behind the eight ball, and with time not on their side, they were forced to press a little bit and they made some mistakes down the stretch because of that. You saw Ethan Haunt's interception that sealed the deal when Williamstown was down three scores late. But for a team that had trouble striking quick, they needed to get into the red zone five or six times in this game, only got their three, and were not able to win in a shootout. And finally, offensive line play. Both sides were very good in this game. Williamstown had just one sack, taking Ethan Haunt down behind the line of scrimmage once. Worcester County did not have any sacks. And a bit of this is a byproduct, at least 
least for Richie County, not getting any sacks on Max Malesa. A bit of that is a byproduct of the fact that Malesa is a guy who's a threat to run on every play. So he's moving forward on most of these plays. He's not dropping back to throw only through seven times in this game. Tough to sack a guy when he's not dropping back to throw. But good on both these offensive lines for keeping their quarterbacks clean and for letting them have the chances to see downfield, to take off and run, and to get the things done they needed to get done. So those are my big takeaways from the Class A title game. Our Metro News correspondent Tara Malone reported from the island as well this weekend. Here are his thoughts on all three title games in West Virginia. Hey Eric, this week I'm going to share my thoughts on the Super 6 weekend from all three classes. We'll be getting Class AA as number 16 Fairmont Senior held off number 2 Independence for the school's third state title in just four seasons. The Polar Bears in playoff mode for the past six games as they forced a pair of turnovers in the Class AA state championship game to seal the deal. Fairmont defeated Independence by a final score of 21 to 12. Indy's Atticus Goodson rushed for 129 yards on 26 carries and was deemed the MVP for the Patriots. In Class AAA, what a shootout as Martinsburg comes rolling in and reminding everyone who sits at the top of the throne in the big school's championship. Hudson Clement scored a Super 6 record with 8 touchdowns, helping the Bulldogs claim their ninth state championship in just 11 seasons. Tyson Bajant completed 12 of 21 passes for 207 yards and 5 total TDs. Meanwhile, for Huntington High, Ochao rushed for 88 yards on 20 attempts, completed 11 of 23 passes for 185 yards. Martinsburg intercepted him 5 different times for a Super 6 record. The Bulldogs soared their way to a title, winning by the final score of 62-21. to Finally, in Class Single A, Ritchie County and Williamstown seemed to be the best matchup all the way through until the fourth quarter where the Rebels would pull away late from there. Ethan Hot completed 8 of 12 passes for 90 yards and rushed for 32 yards. Gus Morrison rushed for 178 yards and 4 touchdowns and then caught 5 passes for 44 yards for a Rebels score en route to an impressive 42-21 victory over Williamstown. Both teams did everything that they could during the game. Credit to both teams for making it to the island. It is such a difficult task for any team really to make it to Wheeling Island Stadium so congratulations on both teams on a great year and best of luck next year as well. Eric, it must be an exciting year for Ritchie County Athletics as the volleyball team made it to the state final against Williamstown just nearly a month ago and then Rick Hunt leading away as the basketball team qualified for the first ever state tournament berth just a year ago and then a state runner-up trophy in track and now the biggest accomplishment of Rick Hunt's era so far which is a class single A football championship for Ritchie County. The question now remains did coach Rick Hunt create a dynasty for Ritchie County football? Can we expect them to be a perennial power now in class single A after all of this work that he's established here at RCHS. Can we see a dynasty created by Coach Rick Hot? We'll have to find out next season as Ethan Hot will be returning. Austin Bartlett will be returning. So he's got a lot of depth in his players and they are coming back off of a state championship win. So expect big things from the Rebels next season. The biggest notes of the postseason, the LKC really showed up in full force as three programs made it to the Final Four in Doddridge County, Williamstown, and Ritchie County. Doddridge County was held off by Williamstown, and Ritchie County knocked off perennial power Wheeling Central Catholic. Also, Trinity breaks into the postseason as the Warriors made it to the first ever playoff berth in school history, and they lost in the opening round to James Monroe. And then also, at number 16, Gilmer County upset number one Cameron in the opening round of the class single A playoffs. Gilmer County would then take on Wheeling Central.
Central Catholic, but there was no answer there as the Maroon Knights stormed their way past number 16 in the second round of the postseason. Once again in Morgantown, I'm Taryn Malone for Metro News. Eric, back to you. Thanks, Taryn. It really was a great weekend and a fitting end to the 2021 football season. And one thing that needs said that I didn't hear a lot when I was at the Class A State Championship game on Saturday, how nice it was to be back in Wheeling after a year away. I don't always go to the Super 6. I usually attend only when local teams are involved and I haven't gone for the whole weekend in some time. But it was just nice to feel like you were back to at least that shred of normal, be around people and be in that kind of an environment. It's one of the better state championship environments in West Virginia. It really felt like we never left, to be quite honest with you. It was very comforting to be back on Wheeling Island in a town where they do such a great job to host the Super 6 and it's a great environment. If you've never been, I recommend it. But a really cool end to a season that was much better looking and much more normal looking than the season that preceded it. Next week is our season finale for the 2021 campaign for season four. And we will look at these things, the top five storylines of 2021. For the first time ever, I'm dipping into this realm, the top 10 players of 2021. I've never attempted that with players before, not because I felt I was unqualified to do so, but because I didn't want the backlash from guys that might be left off that list. There's so many, but I'm going to try to do a top 10 players of 2021. And the one I like to do the most, the top five stories to watch in 2022. That is, we sit here in December. What will be relevant by the time we pick this back up in August? It's hard to tell. I mean, some of the things that are going to carry over, we can pretty much know that for sure. Williamstown being hungry for a Class A title, that's one of them. And how will Richie County defend a title? That is another thing that we know for sure is going to be relevant by this time next year. But hey, look at our 2019 list going into 2020. It just goes to show you that you never know what happens in that amount of time. You can download new episodes every week on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. One other thing that I want to touch on before we go, we have already had a few high-profile head coaching jobs come open in the last month since the season ended. The latest was Craig Snyder at Winfield deciding he was going to step down after a 10-season run as Winfield's head coach, 28 seasons total on the sidelines for Winfield. The Generals went to the state playoffs three of the last six seasons. But he's joined by Jeremy Taylor of Hurricane, who announced in November he was resigning after a 10-year run, saying he just wanted to change some of his priorities. Frank Isaacs of Midland Trail, one of the most successful coaches in the history of that program, multiple 10-win seasons, he stepped down. And Ted Arnault at Oak Glen, who just finished his sixth season there, announced he would resign his position as head coach of the Golden Bears. Arnault went 31-29. and He's the only Oak Glen head coach to post multiple one-loss seasons. What's notable about these resignations is that these are not older men that are stepping down. These are guys that at their latest are in their 50s. But these are fairly younger guys that are making the decision to step away from coaching. And this is an impact, whether you want to think about it as one or not, of the ongoing pandemic. Many of these people are teachers. They also have families, and their families have struggled in various ways. So the -the off-the-field impacts, not just high school football, but everywhere else. Uh, The impacts in life, the impacts in work. Our lives are that much more stressful now and they have been for some time because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And so right here you've got four coaches already as we sit here in early December who've decided they're not coming back for another season. And it's not because they were let go because of their record or has nothing to do with performance or boosters or anything like that. These are guys that needed to step down for personal reasons. The pandemic caused people everywhere in every field to take a deeper look at their priorities. And maybe this is some of that as well. Maybe this is younger men looking around at families and children and saying, you know what, there are other things I could be doing right now than coaching 
high school football and dealing with angry parents and a community that loves me one minute and has it out for me the next. But we seriously need to take a deeper look at the mental health of these coaches because for the most part, and I hate to paint with a broad brush, but athletic coaches are not necessarily the types that you would first consider to be ones that would seek mental health help. The pandemic has taken a toll on everyone in every job, but specifically for those in education and for those dealing with education activities. And so whether or not all of these coaches that step down are teachers, they're still dealing with school systems and they're still dealing with the politics of a job that centers around the school. That can be hard. And like I said, when you factor in a spouse's situation, their work, their family, the kids they're raising, things like that, there are suddenly a whole lot of other reasons not to coach sports. We need to be easier on the people that are on the periphery of these sports. And by periphery, I mean not literally on the playing field. We need to be easier on coaches. We need to be easier on administrators. We need to be easier on referees and officials and the SSAC. And I've been guilty of that as much as anybody else. I'm somebody who has not always had the nicest things to say about the sanctioning body in the state of West Virginia. As it is now, they still have me blocked on Twitter, but that has nothing to do with my feelings on them. I've just never been afraid to say what I felt needed to be said in a given situation. But I am going to be a lot more careful in the future. I've already done so when it comes to referees, but I'm going to become a lot more careful in the future when it comes to what I say about people in off-the-field roles in high school sports. We saw early this year in the Big 12, a Texas Tech radio crew was suspended for a game because of the way they blasted the Big 12 officials and the Big 12 conference in general. While there's a part of me that doesn't like that broadcasters were quieted in that sense, I also think there are a lot of ways where you can diplomatically express a point and not do it at the expense of somebody or at the expense of belittling someone or dehumanizing somebody or even knocking the integrity of a person or an organization. That's where a line was crossed in that Big 12 instance. We do this all the time with officials. We do this all the time with administrators and coaches. We forget that behind that title, there is a human being and a human being that has needs and has a family. You don't know half of what these individuals have to deal with at home. Some of you do. Some of you know enough about the people to know that maybe they've got a relative that's not well, or maybe their spouse has suffered a tragedy in their family, or maybe their kids are having problems in school. You have problems of your own at home. So do the men and women that lead these programs that we enjoy watching and that we follow. So the mental health and the burnout issue and the stress involved with coaching, with teaching, with administrative work, it is starting to catch up and we are seeing it in the fact that more and more younger people are stepping away from coaching. Now, will these steps be permanent steps? I would think not all of them. Not all of the four guys that I mentioned now and those that might still come are going to be permanent departures from the coaching ranks, but they're gone now and we need to start asking why are people dipping away now? Mental health resources need to be greatly increased for our educators and those in education adjacent fields. That's our show this week. The season finale comes next week. I am Eric Little for Taryn Malone, a Metro News correspondent. Thank you for listening to another edition of the podcast. We'll wrap it up next week. And until then, have a great week, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Come back next week for another new episode. And thanks for listening.